0: And welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name's Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got Rohan. Hello. Hello. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. All right. Rohan, we are a bit late this uh, episode. We tried to time our podcast to come out at the same time as the Home Assistant release, but yeah, uh, why are we late? Were you on Island Time or something? Yeah, I was
1: actually. <laughs> I was, uh, so I decided to travel uh, a little bit with the wife and uh, yeah, so now we're back and uh, we are back at it.
0: All right, good, good. Well, it does give us a chance to take a look at, um, you know, some of the feedback that the release has had as well. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know if you've had a chance to have a play with the release since you've been back home, but it's... Uh, actually a pretty good release this one
1: yeah I, I have like I updated it but I haven't actually had a chance to actually dive in and do anything or, or <laughs> see anything um, and yeah. you know just came back to a slew of emails so naturally this is now uh, you know the first time I'm like okay let's figure out what's happening here yeah, <laughs> right yeah So, I think the big one
0: um, to come from this release is, uh, and we've always talked about it on the podcast, is Lovelace. Uh, We're no longer going to refer to it as Lovelace. They're renaming it to Dashboards, which I think makes a lot more sense for new people coming into the Home Assistant realm. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a a problem with that. I think it makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's a lot more generic. Keep it generic, right? Nothing wrong with that. And I think it's just a sign of Home Assistant moving on as well.
0: Uh, Yeah. yeah, Because Lovelace is technically a code name for, you know, when it went into beta and, you know, we still have the old states UI. But now this is the official, you know, front end and it's just a dashboard. So
1: that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's like keeping, you know, whatever like product code name as like, I don't know, the name of like Morpheus or something like that. And yeah. Then it's like everybody just calls it Morpheus for like the next seven years. It, it makes sense to actually give it a proper name and, and so on. So I think I, think I agree with that. Um, also, you can create groups now from the UI, which is uh, which has been requested for quite a while. Because uh, that wasn't possible in the past, which is nice. Yeah,
0: it's, it's interesting, right? Like the the UI has had, you know, like a whole bunch, of, you know, like they've got the automation builder, the, the scene builder, the, the script mm-hmm. editor, like everything's there. And, and now Groups is there. I think it's, um, yeah, it's just one of those things, like I think so many people have just been like waiting for this for so long and it's yeah. finally here. And I've, you know, I started with a, a fresh install this year and, yeah, just the amount of stuff that I've been able to do in the UI uh, is been fantastic and
1: yeah Yeah, exactly and and you know for somebody who's always done lovelace via yaml or or i guess dashboards now via (laughs) yaml it's uh you know it's it's nice to see that there's actually quite a bit of uh improvement in the in the ui uh, Mm. piece so that you know maybe i don't need to anymore right um but that also requires me going in and changing and i'm not going to do that
0: but yeah it's pretty cool i like that speaking of um Lovelace and Dashwell. I'm just going to like take a little deviation here for something, but I don't know if you've seen it, Rohan, um, but for whatever reason, this there's a, a library called Mushroom for yeah. uh, Home Assistant, and it has been posted everywhere. I don't know if it's just come out of the blue, like in the last month or something, but I've seen it everywhere. I actually installed it, and yeah. it is nice. And what I really like about it too is that they've respected uh, all the, the new features that Home Assistant have added in terms of being able to edit. Uh, dashboards from the UI. So you can fully create yeah. a mushroom dashboard without touching a line of YAML. And it's yeah. pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I actually try, I tried playing with it. I couldn't get it to work. Um, as in like my mushroom cards would just straight up not show up. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so I'm still trying to figure that out. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like I, I, I saw the previews and stuff and it actually looks really slick. Yeah. Um, uh, so it looks really nice. So I, I, I really want to play with that
0: yeah so i'm yeah. a bit like rebuild my because i used uh, something called soft ui um mm-hmm. and we had like the creator of that on the podcast you know many episodes ago now so yeah like i really think this will be a good replacement of that um and create some nice looking dashboards with it i've seen some stuff on reddit as well um yeah people having a lot of fun with it and I,
1: yeah. yeah i've seen youtube videos there's a lot of stuff uh, around it and and you know, I, I think I think the nice thing is, like you said, Phil, because they respect all the constructs behind building it through the UI, and actually, again, and on the website itself, it does straight up say, or, or on the documentation for it, it does straight up say that, hey, listen, this is meant for you to use it with UI. It's not meant for crazy yeah. customization, crazy anything like that. But it yep. looks it looks super slick. I think it looks really nice, especially like I don't have any, but I know Phil, you've got a couple of tablets uh, that you leverage as well. I don't know if you still mm-hmm. do after you moved, but. Yeah. you know it looks like a really nice tablet ui too right even like the sliders are like you don't have to pop into a thing pops up and then you fix a slider or whatever this is just it's just there i'm hoping that right?
0: will be yeah that's what will be used for so yeah crossed.
1: yeah so it uh definitely looks promising i mean i, I can't get it to work yet but <laughs>
0: i can't,
1: can't get it to show up yet but once once it does it's it's going to be amazing
0: yeah i bet um, so more helpers are now available from the interface. Um, so these include uh, the derivative, uh, the Ryman sum integral, which I think you can use to calculate how much energy usage is being taken from a device that only reports power usage. Um, you max sensors, um, threshold, times of day, and utility meters. So they're all uh, helpers and you can all set them up uh, in the UI now. So that's good. Just on that... Um, Remains some integral like that integration. I don't know about you, Rohan. You, Rohan, but have you done anything? You haven't touched the energy monitoring energy dashboard yet, have you?
1: Not yet. Um, I do. I do have a plan to. So I'll, I'll I'll provide an update on that once once I once I actually do it because I as as everybody here knows and chirps me for I'm notorious for being like yeah I'm gonna do this and I'm not doing it. <laughs> But uh, I do. I do have. Uh, I actually, one of our listeners actually reached out uh, and, and uh, offered up uh, their old energy monitoring stuff. So I'll 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 give a shout nice. out and I'll give an update on that uh, once I arrange all that. Because I, yeah.
0: I one of the things I really miss or I find tricky is um, getting like I have a whole bunch of uh, Z-Wave power monitors, right? So monitoring like my washing machine, so I know you know power spikes and all that. Um, and also have like a, a TP-Link one on the dishwasher, so I know when the dishwasher is done, how much energy mm-hmm. is using. I don't have those in the energy dashboard, and I believe it's because you know they are measuring just the current load. They don't have the time, and it's there's a whole explanation in the Home business documentation, which I completely understand. Right. When the energy dashboard first came out, there was um, like you could create a sensor and you could use some. Uh, home assistant customization uh, to tell it that it was a power state level, pull it in and it, it would come into the um, energy dashboard. That's since been removed. And I, I reading the documentation, I understood the Riemann sum integral integration to yeah. be, you know, a way for that to come in as uh, an energy measurement in my dashboard. But I, for whatever reason, it just, hasn't worked for me. Um, so if anyone's got any clues on how to get, you know, a, a Z-Wave device or a Zigbee device that's got power monitoring that just doesn't isn't natively supported in the energy dashboard, I'd love to hear feedback. Um,
1: there must be something I'm missing. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Because I'd like to be able to see, you know, all right, uh, for today, you know, the dishwasher cost me, you know, $2 or something, which I can do with some devices, um, yeah. which are there from like a, Z, like a random a Zigbee smart switch I have, reports it correctly. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, you know, the other Z-Wave stuff that I've got is not reporting it,
1: which frustrates me. Do you have your rates and all that stuff in as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the rates are in there. So like, um, I can see how much the electricity is using for the whole house and for, uh, that one random smart switch, but the individual devices, yeah, none of them are
1: coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on, there is a new entity type, the update entity. You know, this update entity essentially is a entity that will say, "Hey, you know, there's an update available for you know whatever um, a home a home assistant supervisor or a pie Hole or you know uh, WLED, whatever it is, uh, whatever integration there is. Um, if if they if they have it integrated in the uh, sorry, if they have the update entity built into that uh, integration." You'll actually get an uh, idea of say, hey, there is an update available, and go update whatever, right? So I think that's actually pretty pretty handy. I know right now for there, like I have an external integration to say, hey, go update. Uh, or, like my home assistant is out of up, uh, out of date, or um, Hacks is out of date, whatever. But uh, it's nice having that entity type so that each of my integrations can actually say, mm-hmm. hey, you know what, Rohan, go update your. I don't know, whatever a conby stick, right? As as an example, uh, maybe that's a bad example, but like actually, that's, that's actually a good example because that's something I'd never update. <laughs> so, um, you know that that might be that might be something cool, right? So, um, yeah, that's handy. So, as part of this
0: release, they've got like the uh, Home Assistant supervisor is moved over to this new entity type. I think they've got WLED, Pi Hole, and yeah. the Synology DSM. So, there'll be breaking changes as, to accompany those as well. Um, But, yeah, that's really cool. I think I saw in the screenshot on the release notes as well, um, as an example, they had things like a Philips Hue bulb that had a firmware update. So, Mm -hmm. and I think this, I don't know if it's available, assuming it's not, but if this is where Home Assistant is intending to go to, you will have eventually, you know, with like the ZHA uh, integration in Home Assistant, the ability for yeah. home assistant to then say, okay, this Philips Hue Zigbee bulb as a firmware update and to then push that update through to the Philips Hue bulb without requiring a Philips Hue hub. That's like that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I would I would love for as, as an example, I've got like the IKEA Tradfree mm-hmm. like G U ten bulbs, right? I think I've got like two of those or whatever. Yep. I'd love for, you know, let's say let's say IKEA pushes out an update for that or, or whoever makes the behind the scenes for mm-hmm. Ikea pushes out an update behind that. Says, okay, great, you take this, and and again, because they are publicly available, you can just go with like a little zip file that you download on some random website from yep. Tradfree. Right now, the process is I have to download it, upload it, so on and so forth. If I can have it just as a single workflow where um, essentially it goes through and it does the download for me, pushes the software, updates it, and then basically comes back with like green light, it's been updated, or red light, something happened. That's even you know, even better, right? If there's an update mechanism in there, especially for z Wave, stuff like that, where mm-hmm. with known entities where there's like a, I don't know, some kind of a directory behind the scenes or something like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. This is one I am actually really excited for. Uh, backups are finally available to yes. uh, basically, I think most Home Assistant installations now. So if you uh, come from the IO, Home Assistant OS sort of world, you know that, or even Home Assistant Blue, Home Assistant mm-hmm. Amber, Yellow, uh, you will have this backup feature. You would have used it for a while. Everyone, yeah. They used to be called snapshots. It's been there yeah, quite some time. And that was the one thing I was really jealous about for those users you know, coming from a Docker installation myself. Uh, so now backups are available to non-supervisor installations. And the great thing about it is that those backups are compatible with the supervisor installations. So if you're ever planning to move over from your custom Docker installation to something like a Home Assistant Blue or a Home yeah. Assistant OS installation, you can just export or take a backup of your Home Assistant installation and import it into your new device and they're compatible.
1: Amazing. Pick it up in A and then dump it into B. Yep. That's, yep. yeah, that's awesome. And and again, this right now I have a whole, like, you know, it, it's, it's sitting on my, it's a share on my NAS, which yep. then, you know, the NAS gets backed up and then, and, and like, so on and so forth, right? Like, it's, it's, this just, I think, makes it once, gives me one more chance to back up, uh, in another place as well, right? Yeah. So I can just take it, have a script, just copy it over to wherever and, uh, do it that way, which I love. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Cause I've had, that. like, tried to use Duplicati to have it backed up, but there's always like, cause the, um, uh, the dot .storage folder in Home Assistant is, like, protected, yeah. you know, yeah. for, like, they don't want anything writing to it, so you get, like, file permission yep. errors. And you just don't trust that you're getting a full backup, but with at least this yeah. way, you're getting a 100% true clone of Home Assistant yeah. installation.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, that's that's huge, so, which yeah. is nice. and And like you said, if tomorrow it does my, whatever, my docker instance blows up and my machine blows up whatever fine i can take it and throw it on a raspberry pi with uh you know a supervised version or something mm. like that and just say here here go right and, and it just works which yep. is awesome definitely um obviously caveats would be that if i'm going from a dock standard docker to a supervised install i would assume it doesn't have all of the fill like to, the ability to fill in the blanks magically for you for the supervisor um, but your your home assistant instance itself will be prop, uh, properly backed up, which is fantastic. So changing the temperature and pressure units from the UI. So before to, to figure out how to change the temperature and stuff, you essentially needed some kind of a degree in math and uh, and, you know, a little bit of magic there. Use some wizardry to use templates that convert from Fahrenheit to Celsius or something like that. Now you can just do it, which is a godsend. <laughs> so there's there's some stuff in my in my uh in my uh UI that that's still Fahrenheit and I'm just like I, I don't care enough to do this. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It is I'm just thinking
0: all those poor Americans having to try and use a, a proper uh nice to read <laughs> temperature unit that can't do it right. Oh, go back to Fahrenheit.
1: Yeah. Right. I know, I know, it's too funny. Uh, performance improvements. So
0: there are a fair few performance improvements in this release for both the front end and the back end of Home Assistant. Um, it's going to make things a lot more snappier. Uh, there's a whole, I think they actually released a whole different uh, set of release notes just around the performance stuff. So sure. if you want to dive deep, they've got, um, yeah, database changes. Um, there's a whole lot of breaking changes if you are querying the Home Assistant database yourself. Um, yeah, there's different API calls that are much uh, sleeker now. So, yeah. I think anything for performance, I am always yeah, happy yeah. for, especially on, uh, you know, things like Raspberry Pi. I think they've been able to reduce the number of writes um, again in this release. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, makes those SD card burnouts a lot less frequent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now that is great. Triggers. Now can be set as variables, which is kind of cool. So if you use YAML and templates and stuff like that, uh, triggers can now be set as variables. Um, so that means you can use them in conditions and, and actions and as part of an automation. So um, as an example, you've got a tag scanner, and let's say you wanted to scan, you wanted to play something when a card is scanned. Um, so before you'd need to do use a bunch of variables and do a bunch of tricks there in templates. Now basically, what you can basically say is. I have this, uh, I have this tag and I need to be, I need this to be played uh, based on what the tag is. And I can bring that in directly as a variable as the trigger of the card, uh, like in the trigger of the card. So, which Mm. is awesome. So now I don't need to, you know, have like four different things just to do one single
0: task, right? Yeah. It also reduces the number of templates you would need to write. I know for like hundred percent my binary sensor, sorry, my uh, non-binary presence detection. Right, like there's a whole bunch of templates and conditions that I would have to use based on which uh, yeah. device got triggered for that automation. Right now, you can uh, just set the variables up in against that yep. trigger, and away yep. you go.
1: You have like eight different variables. Otherwise, that you yep. and, and, and and again, and before that, that would be a bunch of entities, right? Like mm-hmm. you have like these, uh, you know, BS entities that aren't actually entities, right? Like you'd have a Boolean or something of like that being like, OK, I got a flag here. I got this flag there and do whatever. Yep. Um, I think this just saves from a bit, at least, of doing that. So dig into the documentation a little bit and, and have a look. I think that'd be kind of cool.
0: All right, some other noteworthy changes from this release. You can now change the appearance of a binary sensor in the UI. So you Ugh. no longer need to use YAML customizations to do it.
1: Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can relate to that one just because I hate doing it through YAML. I think I have like um,
0: still a, a global, like one of those glob rules, like if an entity ID is underscore motion or something like that, treated it as a motion oh, sensor, right?
1: That's smart, that's smart. Yeah. Um, Timers can now continue on after a Home Assistant restart, so that's also pretty cool. Um, in the past, if you had a timer going and you rebooted your instance, restarted, whether you restarted or it restarted itself, whatever it is, power goes out, starts back up. Uh, that that timer would reset to zero. Now that is no longer the case.
0: That's cool. Yeah. I I don't use timers myself. Um, you and,
1: used to, didn't you?
0: It was very, like, I think the restarting really, like, threw me off. Like, I didn't, like, if the time, I would use timers yeah. for things like, you know, okay, um, if everyone's left, you know, start a countdown or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, um, yeah, I just, I didn't find them reliable enough. To, to use it so maybe i'll dig the code back out again and, and start using it again
1: yeah i think i only use it in like to turn off my uh exhaust fans in the uh, in the ba- in the bathroom exactly cause it's like right? yeah like it's because everybody always either leaves it on or whatever so this way it's just turn it on and just walk out it'll yeah you know remove the humidity or whatever for a little bit and yeah all right. New integrations.
0: All right. Uh, Airzone. So Airzone's a new integration. It allows getting values from the local API, and they are a HVAC zoning system. So if you have an Airzone uh, system, go for it. I like that it's not cloud-based, so good to see another yeah, non-cloud HVAC system out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, kudos Arizona. Uh, I don't know who you are, what you do, but I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> kaleidoscape. Um, so not Kaleidoscope. Okay, perfect. No, kaleidoscope. Uh, yeah, right. It's kind of cool. So it allows uh, for the automation of uh, Kaleidoscape movie players. So things like you know playing or pausing a movie um, would set a light scene. Right. So you pause and lights turn on, play lights turn off, kind of thing. Um, started the movie credits, turns up the lights, which is... Okay, that is actually kind of cool.
0: So, this is what... I I read this and I was like, how do they know when the movie
1: credits start? Yeah. Have
0: you I, heard I, of Kaleidoscape before? I have
1: not. I have okay.
0: not. get it, like, Google it now. They are, like, a premium movie player. So, I don't know that they claim that you can, like, they have, like, no... Uh, well, they, they have, like, the raw movie file, like the full 4K, as it came from the studio, the full true Dolby Atmos. So I assume that you must like it's better than Blu-ray or something, and they're premium movie players. So I assume that you have to buy these movies from some source. But yeah, the whole product looks very interesting. Interesting, yeah. So like how does this... So you're not like, you're not Blu-ray, it's like you're literally playing like the the yeah. old film or something over thirteen
1: thousand titles okay so i guess it comes with a bunch of movies pre-built so it's so, okay so it's it's either doesn't look like it's a streaming platform it no. looks like it's an actual like hard drive platform like yeah. where where they, it's a player with a built-in drive
0: well you couldn't stream the quality this thing can do yeah because they have we're, we're sort of getting into a like a home theater podcast right now but
1: yeah, oh, that's cool. Whatever. It's,
0: it's, <laughs> I, I, it's, I certainly don't have the hardware to warrant buying such an expensive thing, right? But this would be if you've got a, your own home theater with an 8K projector or something.
1: Yeah, interesting. So it it has. So they have a movie server that's like 72 or 48 terabytes worth of storage, and it can have ten up to ten simultaneous 4K playbacks with their player product. Interesting. So I guess this movie server has all these movies built into it. Interesting. So do these guys have like licenses for these movies or is it just kind of like old movies? Cause I'm looking at the, at like just their like movies tab and it's just, it just looks like there's you know pretty old movies, but.
0: But surely you'd be able to purchase like, you know, one, like if Bruce Willis wasn't retiring from acting then surely the next Die Hard would. Be yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It might be something uh, interesting to look into, but it, looks and sounds expensive so maybe yeah you know. that's
0: all right if that'll give you a price that's probably expensive right
1: yeah so but but i guess because the movies here are kind of curated so i guess they would be able to say hey here's a marker for for uh yeah credits or yep. here's you know whatever that is so that that makes sense hey everyone i just wanted to take a minute to talk about the eufy video lock it's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling it's got a keyless entry so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. So yeah, that's actually pretty cool. So, I mean, you know, change in video resolution, um, aspect ratio, there's a bunch of stuff that they can can trigger on, which is kind of cool, so.
0: I don't understand why, like, I'm still going to go on this tangent for a little bit. You know, Plex, um, they're pretty good at detecting, like, intros now on, yeah. like, TV shows. That's, the, I like that feature. They, like, integrate all their, um, uh, like, with the movie database, the TV database. Why haven't, yeah. like, the movie database or something got the you know this the the minute markers when like the credits roll or something that then yeah you know these things like plex or cody or or something could say hey all right the credits started rolling on this playback
1: yeah well essentially like how chapter markers work right yeah somebody's got to have some kind of a i don't know if if there's a plex dev that that's listening in i'd you know love to hit us up i'd love to know that too Maybe like, or, may, you know, may, or maybe it does it and we just have no idea.
0: Oh, yeah, maybe like Home Assistant even has, like, you're in chapter, you know, 99 of this movie and that's the credits, right? Maybe it's a, yeah, like yeah. an attribute against the media player. And that'd be cool. Yeah. but All right. Uh, sorry, this is the Home Assistant podcast, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> not, oh. not, the, not the Plex and Kaleidoscape no? podcast. Okay. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, then we've got to go back to this one. So, uh, Pico Outage Counter. So, Pico is a public utility company uh, in the Philadelphia metro area. Um, so, now... Uh, if you are constantly getting electricity uh, outages, uh, I'm assuming it's electricity yeah electricity outages. Uh, you can have a number of times you've had an outage in your home business dashboard. I assume there is a, a good use case for that. I can't think of one personally. Maybe you have need to re- record it and say, hey, you owe me for five outages this month, so. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, especially if it's like a business or something, and maybe mm. they have kind of some kind of a. Actually, I don't think I don't know. The power utility cares if, if you're a business. Or yeah, not. Probably not. Right? Uh but maybe I don't know. Yeah. All right, let's talk some breaking changes. Uh, most of these changes are typically related to the to to integrations moving to the UI, anyways. And and again, the nice thing is it does show up in the logs. Uh, saying hey, you know, move this to a UI uh, based thing. Yeah, so let's just jump into it. Um, first and foremost, Plex. So uh, Plex now supports uh, multiple Plex media servers in uh, in the media browser. So that is pretty neat. And then automations and scripts that use the media picker, uh, you'd probably need to uh, update it uh, if you have more than one uh, Plex server uh, configured.
0: If you are using the Sleep IQ mattress, uh, the Sleep Number Firmness Sensor Entity the integration has been deprecated and it will be removed in a future release a number entity is now available and it's providing the exact same information and that should be used instead
1: interesting okay sonos phil's favorite topic
0: Ooh, uh, i love my sonos system
1: yeah so favorites are not included in the source drop down anymore um uh, they've been moved to the media browser Um, and also, uh, now you can use a media selector as well, um, in your automation and script builders and so on and so forth. So that means, um, you know, this, the dropdown is now limited to static inputs. So things like TV line in, whatever that is. Um, and then, yeah. So, and then, and then everything else, like I said, would be, uh, would be a part of that, either the media browser or the selector there, the service call, uh, media as player select source will continue to except a favorite names, but uh, it, I wouldn't count on that. It's probably going to get removed at some point, um, but there's no plans today to do so. And that's more, it sounds like that's more just for compatibility.
0: Yeah. So when Sonos, like I've been using Sonos for quite some time with Home Assistant. Yeah. And I think in the early days, the, the only way to uh, play like a Spotify playlist was to mark it as a favorite in Sonos. So that it could be yeah, yeah. appear in this dropdown. But now that the, uh, you know, like the, Select source, sorry, the media browser and, you know, just being able to play uh, or issue Spotify playlist IDs to a Sonos media player entity uh, is working fine. I think that's, yeah, sort of gone by the wayside now. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, templates, which are also another good topic I, I like to talk about. Template binary sensors with on or off delay or trigger based binary sensors are now initialized to the last state on Home Assistant Core Startup instead of unknown. Mm. And this is absolutely fantastic because I have been slowly moving my template entities over to the new template integration. Uh, And I noticed, you know, when Home Assistant would restart, all they were were just unknown. Um, So I actually had to work. I went around and I put in, uh, as one of the triggers, the Home Assistant uh, start event so that, you know, all those entities would get updated on restart of Home Assistant. But yeah sounds like i won't need to do that anymore so that's a bonus. yeah
1: that's awesome um uptime robot if you use this uh feature essentially what happens is now uh uptime robot lets you pause or resume monitoring so again if you know there's going to be maintenance to maybe it's your website that you're monitoring or something like that or a service that you're hosting internally you know if you're going to be doing some maintenance on there you typically don't want all these alerts coming in and out so you can stop uh, the monitoring and start it so because of that you'll need to use the main uptime robot api key so if you if you use that before you're good um, but if you use a read-only or, or a monitor a- a- api key then you'll probably have to reauthorize on the on the next startup so
0: i do like it you can uh pause and resume monitoring that's
1: really cool yeah and, uh, Home home is going to become my next uh,
0: monitoring server it's like gonna yeah replace like your prometheus and exactly influx you've got all your graphs and all the data is into Home Assistant now, right? Like, it's a assist assist admin job for, um, you know, being able to monitor, you know, big corporate data centers just with Home Assistant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> uh,
0: so, some news from Nabucasa Dominic Griesel has joined Nabucasa. So, Dominic is the founder yeah. of Z Wave.js. Uh, and so, he's going to be joining Nabucasa to further work on the Z JS project. And also to help Home Assistant integrate with the new smart home protocol Matter, which I believe nice. is more Zigbee uh, based than Z-Wave, yeah. so very interesting. Um, so yeah, that now means that Nabucasa is now supporting the Home Assistant project, ESP Home, and Z-Wave JS. And of course, if you're a subscriber to Nabucasa, you are directly helping these projects as well. So uh, yeah, thank you for everyone that's subscribing to Nabucasa. Yeah.
1: All right. Um... Here's a kind of big one. So the legacy works with nest API. So that was set to be deprecated. That is now on hold. So, um, there's been issues with, uh, the API. So the, uh, OAuth signups. So essentially because of that, um, this is a breaking change that was announced in 2022.2, um, or the February release. And uh, you know uh, we got a, We got an email from PJ saying, "Hey, you know what? This is a this is a pretty big deal, and you know give it a little more attention." So you know we we agree, and and here we are, right? So yeah,
0: I think um, and PJ was probably right. I think uh, PJ's got a, a very good use case in the uh, email he sent to us. He said um, the old API of Nest was about to be dropped by Google some time ago, uh, but because of the outrage of people using it, Google said they will support it and know whether. Further actionable taking, Mm -hmm. so uh, PJ is using the old works with Nest Dev account, uh, so not with the Google login, um, and that's you know what's referred to as the legacy API. Uh, But the crucial option that's missing is the ability to read and update the home away state of the Nest thermostats. So apparently you can't do that with the new uh, integration. so PJ is not a developer, um, but if there is a way uh, with the new integration for the home away status of a the thermostat to be uh, updated, please let us know. Uh, we'll pass it on. I looked around in the uh, documentation of Home Assistant, couldn't see anything there. So yeah, and I don't know why, like PJ is certainly blaming Home Assistant for this one. Uh, he, he reckons that uh, if Google aren't taking away this API, then... It's a bit premature for Home Assistant to remove the API. Uh, maybe there is a custom component that can fill in as a replacement uh, for this. Uh, so that would be my suggestion for for PJ. But yeah, I think uh, yeah. Let us know if there is another with using the new integration. If there is a way to update that home away status, would certainly be interested to find out. Yeah. All right, and Rahan, in the uh, last episode, uh, I touched on using uh, Amazon Kindle devices for E-Ink displays around the house, you know, just being able to upload screensavers. Um, So on Twitter, uh, the Louie app mentioned me and has linked me a project uh, which is for Kobo E-Ink readers as well. Uh, Nice. So it's like very beta. Um, So if you've got a Kobo E-Ink reader uh, and you want to, Use something similar. Uh, yeah, we'll leave links to the project in the show notes, of course. Uh, but to, to be honest, Rahim, I had no idea Kobo e readers were a thing. I had never heard of them.
1: Oh I, yeah, 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 they are, they are, they're. Um, they're like uh, again, I've, I've, we've, we saw how. I don't think Kobo's. Maybe Kobo is a Canadian company. I don't know some of that. But <laughs> I again, I'm, I'm fairly familiar with their uh, readers too. But I, I don't have any. But I. Yeah. I um, yeah, like I, they, I do know they exist, and uh, which is cool. But I, I didn't know they had any browser functionality. Or Again, I, I don't have one. And I don't, mm. I don't, those of you that have met me know that I'm not an avid reader. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, looking at
0: the Louis code on GitHub, it looks like um, yeah, you can uh, get in and um, fire up some servers or, or run bash scripts on the reader yeah. itself. So. Yeah, Um, yeah. sounds much more user like developer friendly than a a kindle device that you have to sort of yeah i I would believe that
1: i would believe that i didn't i want to say rakuten bought Kobo? didn't uh maybe i'm making this up (laughs) kobo let me see this is now bothering me i could have just dreamt this whole thing but uh oh yeah it's rakuten kobo yeah so they didn't get bought um yeah so but yeah i think that's about it oh i do have a little bit of a rant that I'm going to choose to go on. Ooh, a Rohan rant. Yes, please. So I've I've had a Kivo lock, a Wiser Kivo lock. and, uh, and yeah. The Bluetooth one, right? The Bluetooth one. And it's not the best. And, and the reason I had to go with that at the time was because everything else was too big for my door mm. where the window. So I had actually bought in August and returned it because um, like somebody at August that I had reached out to was like, yeah, yeah it'll fit. You'll be good. Yeah, uh, but right. it turns out that uh the august lock itself like i said, the 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 inside part of the lock the mm-hmm. circle disc thing uh sits on the frame of my window so i couldn't actually it wasn't flush and a it didn't look good and b it's probably not the most secure if i can just you know knock yeah. it out and and uh and it'll fall off so so i had some size constraints there and, and i don't want to spend like five grand on a new on a new door fair enough um so You know, I went with the, uh, Kivo, the Wiser Kivo, or I think Quickset is the sister brand of Wiser. So the the Kivo, the Kivo, uh, lock and, you know, it was never great. It was always kind of slow and laggy and whatever. Um, so as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, uh, we did go on a trip, uh, earlier last week and, uh, You know, so I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe what I'll do is I'll get uh, the Bluetooth gateway for the Kivo. Mm. And uh, so in that way, I can kind of control it and whatever.
0: And hopefully, like, if you've got a gateway that's constantly connected, it's not having to re-pair or reconnect to the
1: Bluetooth device. And you can sort of get, like, a a quicker connection, right? Exactly, exactly. So what what I found is initially, like, when you... So the, the idea is you can just, like, tap on the... Like, when you're on the outside, you can just tap on the deadbolt part of the lock. And it'll you know, the LEDs will start going off. It'll start scanning for the Bluetooth off your phone uh, Mm. and it'll lock or unlock or whatever. Uh, That was fairly slow. And, and I don't know, I don't know if that's just safe battery. I don't don't know what, what the deal was, but it was, it was pretty crap. Uh, And even if you fire up the phone, it takes, I don't know, like sometimes it takes like 30, 50 seconds for it to find the, find the device. It'll be like, Hey, I can't find it. And then you try again and it's like, Oh, here it is. And like, yeah. Uh, and and you'd be right in front of the lock so it's not like i'm doing it from the other side of the street or something like that right so it's 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 well within bluetooth range it's well within whatever so i was like okay let me let me bite the bullet and spend the extra hundred dollars and get uh or hundred and whatever it is and get the uh gateway i am so disappointed with that gateway um it is still slow as hell and uh it still has issues where it's like i'll try to You know, I'll fire up the Kivo app, and and you basically have a choice of, like, do I want to go Bluetooth or do I want to go... Through the gateway, yeah. Internet, and I think by... Yeah, and I think by default it picks internet, which, fine, cool. And it'll be like, hey, can't connect to lock. And I was like, yeah, you can. (laughs) Right? And you try again, and then... How far away is the gateway to the lock? Not that far away. Uh, It's well within Bluetooth range. Um, Mm -hmm. It says... think when i set it up it was like yeah it's good quality or good uh good connection whatever it is right yep yeah i and and there's a there's a hacks custom integration for it but again it hasn't been maintained in like uh, a couple years and it's not it's not uh the developer's fault it's you know there's some other api changes that happen behind the scenes where basically the 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 i guess a parent project of that where, where they took a lot of this code from they stopped developing because of some changes made to kivo mm. and uh and and essentially it's it's uh it's been crap so um yeah overall very very disappointed and very annoyed with kivo just again for the for the amount of money that i've put into this lock i expected way way better um so now i'm looking at alternatives um Problem is, do I want to go? Do I want to go Z-Wave, and then now that means I got to get a Z-Wave radio or a Z-Wave radio,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then or do I want to go Wi-Fi, which is you know just another thing on Wi-Fi now. true through the batteries a bit faster as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. Just because, and and you know the, the reason I got this was we had <laughs> we had an incident where essentially because you tap on the lock like i said and, and the kivo locks right but i guess we tapped on the lock and it didn't take and we mm. I, for whatever reason in my head i thought it i thought it it did lock and it didn't and we went uh not too far away i think we went to like you know just before the trip we just need to get some stuff whatever so it was like you know whatever uh store like five minutes away and I got a notification on Home Assistant being like, hey, your your front door is open and, and I have an automation that turns off my Echo B when my door has been open for more than five minutes. So I got another notification being like, hey, your door has been open mm. for more than five minutes. Your Echo Bee off. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I, I both of us are here. Oh, no. Right. So I panicked a little bit and jetted back home and lo and behold the kivo just hadn't locked and uh and my door had opened up and just there was a strong enough gust of wind and uh it just i, I need a new um uh, what's it called uh, a handle latch thing as well yep yep um so it it, it stuck and it, it was just a com like a perfect combination of bad uh you know bad hardware plus plus bad kivo plus bad luck and uh and and it was fairly cold that day too so my my door was open you know by the time i got the notification it was already five minutes and then mm. i got uh by the time i got home it was probably another five so his door was open for 10 minutes and it was like minus like 20 outside that time and i was like oh god this is annoying oh. so we've been, we've been trying to make sure that the door is locked and whatever and then and then that when i got the gateway i was like okay at least i can monitor that it's locked but it's kind of yeah, it's kind of annoying. And then I had a, uh, so it's part of my good night routine. Uh, so because again, the, the, the library wasn't maintained, uh, the, the, the library that's behind the, it's called like PyKeebo or something like that, that's behind the uh, home assistant uh, integration. So I couldn't have that as part of my good night routine. So I put it in as part of my Amazon Echoes. So when I say good night, it'll, it'll run through and it'll actually run my home assistant routine and then it'll run my, uh, uh, the lock, the lock routine. Mm-hmm. in the amazon echo app like through Cor- the correct correct because they have they have a kivo's integration with that so yep. uh so, so what i did is i just said okay you know what so right now my order of operations is lock the door first then run the home assistant uh thing but now that means that you say good night it locks the lock it waits for a response back but again because kivo is so slow even so to send the to send the command to be like hey go lock the door takes quite a few seconds mm-hmm. and then to send for it to send back it takes another quite a few seconds, and and until that action completes, the um, the routine in Amazon and in, in the Echo is just waiting, right? So you say good night, and you get okay, and then it goes tries to lock the door, and then thirty seconds later, you get okay, and then whatever good night phrase that they do, and then and then my lights start turning off, and you know whatever else happens, yeah. So, it, it's it's I don't know I'm all in all I'm kind of disappointed. It's very kludgy. Um Everything I've heard about like Z-wave locks and stuff like that are like, hey, you know, you you press a lock button and it locks like immediately, yeah, right? And you get absolutely. a response back immediately, being like, hey, it's locked. Um, um,
0: so I I'm sure I talk, like I've mentioned before and I, I told you about when I heard about this with your lock, like I have the Yale Assure like lock, and I put a Z-wave module in it, yeah. and yeah, literally as soon as you turn it manually. Um, even though it's battery powered, it uses like low power uh, energy for Z-Wave. It'll you know tell Z-Wave immediately that something's unlocked it. Um, yeah. And I was looking uh, actually on a, a store, online store, look, getting some other Z-Wave stuff the other day. And there is another lock called the Dana Lock. I don't know if you've seen that Interesting. one. No, I saw that um, the Alfred think, lock. But... Yeah, no, this is called the Dana Lock. And it looked similar size to the Kivo. It just mm. looks like a like a circle uh like the Kivo does, right? And I was hoping I thought, oh maybe that would fit as a, a good replacement for the Kivo. Uh, but once again it is it's Z Wave, right? So you would need to then Oh no it does
1: it does it does uh Z Wave, Bluetooth, and Zigbee. Or, or oh, I guess really? I, I guess they have modules for, for each of those nice. too. I'm just looking at the website right now. This is kind of cool. Because if you
0: get ZigBee, then you would have to worry about, like, you know, getting the US, the the North American Z-Wave radio version. You could just get a a ZigBee version. Yeah. And Home Assistant's got the same, like, all the uh, lock commands available as part of ZHA.
1: Yeah. I know the only thing that's pushing me towards Z-Wave for this is I know the security behind Z-Wave is... Mm. A little bit stronger than on the on the Zigbee side, yep. But maybe that's changed again. If if there's listeners, I mean, let me know. Um, tweet me or email feedback at haspodcast.io. Let us know. I'm I'm curious. Yeah. So, but ideally, I'm looking for something of a small lock.
0: So it's the. The biggest constraint for you is the size, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a small lock, and and whoever, again, the people that lived in this house before us opted to not have a uh, side door that goes into the garage or anything like that. Mm. So I have a single door, so I need a I need a key mechanism because I've seen a lot where it's just a deadbolt, and and yep. you know on the one side it's either like a keypad or. Or just the the like a I don't know like a Bluetooth interface or something like that with with no actual keyhole. Yep. Um, but I have the problem of if my battery is dead, then I can't get into my house uh, because yeah. I don't have a side door or anything like that. So it, it needs to have that right. And so it's like there are there are there are there's a bunch out there, but you know now I'm again looking at spending like another three hundred dollars for that, and i was just like oh I hate I hate you Kibo. <laughs> this is what I've come back <laughs> with. Um, Again, if there's anybody from Wiser or Quickset or whatever, if the Kibo people, hit me up. I've got yeah. feedback, and I'd love I'd love your feedback as well. Maybe maybe I'm just out to lunch. Maybe I'm doing something wrong, but yeah,
0: yeah. I, to me, it just sounds like a Bluetooth issue, right? Like it just, um, yeah. But with that being said, I know I, I and it's not a, a lock, but I have my in the previous house. I had the Soma smart shades. They were Bluetooth, right? Yeah, um, and they were. I had them paired up with a Raspberry Pi, and literally, as soon as you would push the you know close blind button in Home Assistant, the Bluetooth command would be instant to those blinds, and they would close. Yeah. So I don't know, understand why connecting yeah. to the lock is so slow.
1: Why is this difficult? Yeah, especially for the
0: gateway. I would have thought that the gateway would have a constant connection to that thing.
1: You would think, but I, I mean, they probably do it to save battery or whatever. But like, come on, if like if if I can build something more stable with you know using uh an esp and esp home or something like that mm. with ble you can too i'm sorry but i'm not and and, and again I, like i said it could entirely be me doing something wrong and but uh yeah right now i'm i'm not very impressed with uh with uh, kivo so it's going to go the way of the belkin wemo for me which is collecting dust on my table next to me right now
0: it would be interesting to see if there's anyone that's listening also that does use this lock and, and doesn't have those issues that you described. Because maybe yeah. you've got a faulty unit, right? Uh, yeah.
1: Let let me let me let me know if, if that's the case. If you have a very different experience with Kivo. Hmm. Um I, I I think the I think the issues are pretty universal from the from the Pi Kivo library. So that one that one I know is kinda crap. But again, if if even if I can run it as a routine in my Echo and not have to wait 30 40 seconds between me saying good night and i know i can just change the order but it's still kind of stupid that yeah I, that i have to do that so yeah that totally yeah, makes sense that's my rant
0: well done all right well <laughs> anyone everyone feedback at haspodcast.io let rohan know what you thought of his rant
1: yeah yeah perfect
0: A- anything else you need to get off your chest before you no that's that? that's
1: it <laughs> <laughs> that's it
0: all right well yeah thanks everyone for listening we'll speak to you soon cheers bye-bye cheers if you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io that's h-a-s-s podcast.io
1: the home assistant podcast is hosted by phil Hawthorne and myself rohan caramandi For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.